Hello and welcome to Caged In, the podcast where week by week I go film by film through the filmography of Nicolas Cage to find out, is he pure, unadulterated, uncut, classic, cinematic joy or is he sliced and diced and all the shit thrown in to give us one of the worst actors to ever disgrace the silver screen. This is the first episode of a new year, perfectly sandwiched between the release of Netflix's History of Swear Words and Nicolas Cage's birthday. Tomorrow, the 7th of January, Nicolas Cage turns 57 years old. From me and everybody at the Cage Zim podcast, well, that's just me, a very happy birthday, Nicolas Cage. If this is your first time, then welcome. And here's a little summary of what we do here on Caged In. I get a guest and ask them, are they a Nicolas Cage fan? What was their first and which is their favourite Nicolas Cage film? As well as dissecting the film in question. This week's guest is DJ Force 10, aka Barnaby. And I got him on to talk about Running with the Devil. We talk about this film in every nitty, gritty, dirty detail. So if you haven't seen this film and would like to watch along with us, please stop the podcast now and you can always find a handy little document in the show notes that will tell you if and where the films are screening. So I'm assuming you're either back or you've continued listening because you don't give a fuck about spoilers and you just want to go gung-ho into this one. If you want a little bit extra Nicolas Cage chat, head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod where for this episode you get a full bonus 15 minutes of extra content to divulge in, get a bit get a bit more nitty-gritty you get to know barnaby a little bit more you get to know my opinions on barnaby's picks one of the questions i always ask is which living or dead director would you love to see nicholas cage work with and it, barnaby's answer was great so there's a there's a great little chat about that just head on over there if you if you want to get a little bit more out of the podcast if not it's time to get raging with Cage. For this week's recipe, I'll need a prime cut of Breaking Bad, 200 grams of Narcos, 150 mil of Blow, and a pinch of Tarantino. You'll put that in the oven for an hour and 26 minutes, and then once it's ready, you will have 2019's Running With The Devil. Nicolas Cage stars as the cook, alongside Lawrence Fishburne, Leslie Bibb, Adam Goldberg, and Barry Pepper, in this cocaine crime drama. To find out if this is the purest uncut cage fest or we will be left feeling worse than a weekend of five times cut pub grub is DJ and podcaster Barnaby, a.k.a. DJ Force 10. How are you today, man? I'm good, man. Thank you for that. That was that was an awesome intro. Loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? 
I'm doing very well. I feel like uh, in at this point in Nicolas Cage's career, it's a real roll of the dice of what type of film we can get served up yes, today. Definitely, definitely. Um, he's 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 quite prolific <laughs> in his releases at the moment. So, mm-hmm. um, and they think, are they are a mixed bag. <laughs> I think the only thing that slowed him down is 2020. Like I, I think he's like the one person who's been like probably there itching he's like i I really want to go back to work yeah no totally totally um yeah (laughs) Yeah. and it's 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 been great actually over lockdown like with like the the podcast you've actually created here um listening to that and actually going to visit some of the films that i haven't actually seen of his um and then actually getting to be a guest on this as well which is fantastic so you know anything (laughs) anything nick cage i'm i'm up for so it's all good Amazing. Before we yeah, before we get into talking about some more Nick Cage, obviously you host um, In Conversation, a podcast, and you've had some amazing guests. Do you, do you yeah? Do you want to kind of tell us the the kind of breakdown of that podcast and how it works? Yeah, sure. Um, I started a podcast. I think it's about six years ago now, uh, and it was originally called the DJ Force Ten Podcast, and then it became DJ Force Ten In Conversation um, because it, it evolved into a radio show on Total Rock. Um, but the basic premise of it, when I set out, was to in like introduce uh, brand new artists to the world, uh, as well as interviewing more well-established artists as well (laughs) and over the time that i've been running it i've had um well i'm up to as of recording this 176 episodes um and i've interviewed everyone from the likes of say this is where i name drop and be one of those (laughs) people um let's go for something a bit classic uh mid-jaw um i've had him on the show he's uh responsible for some of the biggest songs in the world um, <laughs> um i've had uh the guys in kansas on i've had yes um i've had one of the original guys from genesis uh but i've also had new bands like well I'll say newer bands like lamb of god sepultura um i just had a, a, a ginger another new band or newish band um <laughs> new for me i'm like 40 years old so <laughs> a lot of these are new but i went back and i interviewed a lot of like classic bands from my youth uh like one minute silence earth tone nine pitch shifter um sort of back for when i was sort of young agile and gig going <laughs> um but Amazing. yeah but yeah the premise of it was just to in like my main thing was to introduce new artists because i wanted a platform for them because i'd heard a lot of different podcasts um sort of like with bigger bands on there uh and obviously over time i get the bigger bands to come on but my main sort of um concentration is getting those new artists in between because it gives them the 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 platform to promote themselves as well as sort of you know just have that obviously interview experience for new bands because I was in a band once myself, as I've mentioned many times <laughs> on my podcast. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, having kind of opportunities to talk to radio and and uh, magazines and things like that was something that I was quite fortunate to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of wanted to bring that experience to a lot of... Um, a lot of bands today yeah I, I totally get what you mean by like trying to give a voice to people i always kind of look when i look for uh like guests on this whether they've worked on in the industry like directors or writers mm. i look for the ones that haven't really done the interviews because i'm like that's that's an interesting conversation i want to hear because obviously yeah. there'll be certain directors yeah a lot of them are out of my reach but obviously certain ones it'll be every time they have a new film out it'll kind of they'll be on every podcast and stuff like that and it's like i want to go for the i 
don't know, the Brian Taylors of the world, where it's like, he's only ever done one podcast and he's done some, like, crazy films or whatever, or scouring online and finding a guy whose Twitter bio said... I possibly wrote the worst Nick, Nick Cage film ever. And it's like, well, that's the guy I want to that's speak to. I want to speak to like <laughs> the, the peripheral like yeah. characters in the Nick Cage story, as well as the kind of key players. Um, how have you found like 2020 and like booking guests? Is it obviously like since we've all gone online and everything? Yeah. And over Zoom. Um, well, I've Whatever. actually found it quite... It's opened the doors to bigger names that you might not Yeah, I mean, yes, it has. Uh, over lockdown one, um, I was prolific on releasing podcasts. I was releasing one every day. Um, wow. In the end, I released, I think it was like 54 episodes over that lockdown period. Mm. Um, and in that, it was, it was quite a varied amount of um, sort of like guests and things like that mm-hmm. that I had on there. Uh, and it really sort of kicked off a bit more, a, a sort of next level for me. Like before I'd gotten, I wouldn't say sort of the peripherals, but I'd gotten sort of more of the classic artists. So like I said, I had like Yes and stuff like that on there and, and Sepultura Major, all that kind of stuff. Um, but during that kind of like lockdown period, it, I kind of just put the the message out there to all the sort of like press agencies that I get stuff from because I DJ as well. So Mm-hmm. I get music sent to me and and they just came back with loads of names, loads of bands because every, everyone in the world was at home. So it really opened the door to actually getting to speak to people like who I would never thought I'd speak to. Um, and it's like guys like Don Jameson, who's a famous sort of stand-up comedian over in the US. And um, he was sort of known for hosting a, a rock show on TV on VH1 called that metal show uh, mm-hmm. along with a couple of his friends. And I got him on there cause he released a comedy album, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it was just stuff like that. And, and, and um, like lamb of God, I would never thought I'd get the opportunity to speak to, well, yeah. you know, Randy from lamb of God, who's the front man. And, <laughs> and it was like, I got it offered to me and I was just like, you know what? Yes. <laughs> you know, enter Shikari and 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 um just trying to think of other sort of bigger names that I had during that time. Um, yeah, Cuba as well, the like yeah. the, the amazing DJ and uh I've seen recently members from Chromags as well. Yes, yeah, no, definitely that I did a special DJ series. Um yeah, yeah. so I got a bunch of like mainly like sort of scratch performance DJs um on the show and uh one American sort of rock radio DJ as well, uh which was really cool. And I'm gonna do that again next year (laughs) um but yeah no no just stuff like that and it was just sort of like because i had the time to really one listen to the music i was being sent Mm -hmm. uh because before that i get sent music and i kind of listen to the sort of the concentration um tracks if you will so like the singles Mm -hmm. uh but not really delve into their albums and that's where i got a lot of these new bands from i was just like these albums are fantastic um I'm just trying to think of some of the <laughs> names of the bands because they were really good. Um, there's a band called Call Me Malcolm. If you're into sort of like ska punk, which I wasn't really, but they they they've got a really kind of intelligent way of doing it. Cool. Um, what kind of music are you into, actually? Let's see if I can. Uh... I'm kind of like I, I'm a, I'm a real mixed bag, man. I okay. like kind of like I'm a real big like hip hop head, but at the same time, uh, yeah, this is pretty a perfect place to plug. Uh, anyone who's listening, I have a 
Spotify playlist called Nick Cage Rap God, which is every time Nick Cage's name is mentioned or one of his films is kind of alluded to in a rap song. It's obviously not, I haven't created all of these songs. It's just yeah. uh, lockdown one, scouring uh, YouTube, wherever, just going, I wonder how many times Nick Cage is mentioned in rap music to, to, to bring in a couple of my passions. And it's far more than you would imagine. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's, I'm going to have to check that out, man. That sounds amazing. Uh, well, if you go hip hop, I had um, DJ Rob Swift on the show. Amazing. Uh, he just released an EP at that point with a guy called The Real DNT. Um, and it was sort of very, sort of like classic, like I call it proper hip hop. Boom bap, like yeah, type stuff. Yeah, yeah. like proper, cool, like, and I had them both on the show. I, um, I had Swift on one show and DMT on another show, which was really cool. Um, going on the rap, sort of rap rock, which is kind of like a new metal thing that I'm, mm-hmm. I was into. I had like Twisted and, and stuff like that on there. Oh, I'm just going to drop all these names for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clang, 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 yep, clang. Yep. I'm one of them people. Um, but no, like you say, you mentioned like Cuba, Cutmaster Swift, stuff like that uh, on the sort of like hip hop side of things. Those people are legendary um when it comes to that side of things and you know and and it all falls into my kind of wheelhouse i'm more of a sort of like rock and metal sort of person but i was a scratch dj in a band so i've got that hip-hop element inside me as well um cool man and i love that sort of side of stuff and the sort of like more classic side battling side um you know street parties b-boys stuff like that so yeah cool man well uh there is one question I always ask at the beginning of these to kind of test the metal and find out, are you a Nick Cage fan? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> I, am I, I am very much. Actually, I'm going to tell you something that only a few people have seen, but his name is on my CV. Um, what? It's on my, on my resume. So I, whenever I put my hobbies and interests... Um, I put like on my, on my CV, I've got like, I enjoy playing video games and Nick Cage films. <laughs> so amazing. I, it's just one of those things where I can oh, get, I think it's a talking point. <laughs> I got a job interview this year, uh, actually off the basis of somebody finding out like who was, yeah, yeah. Who was going to interview me that I ran a Nicholas Cage podcast nice. and they genuinely were like, as soon as we saw that, we had to get you in. So like, uh, to, to, I didn't get the job, but at the same time, I still got like the the fact that I do this crazy Nick Cage, yeah, what whatever you want to call it. Yeah, obviously it's a podcast, but whatever you want to call this madness that I'm, I'm doing. <laughs> it, they were like, yeah, let's let's get that guy through the door. Yeah, no, definitely. No, it's it's, it's something that uh, like I say, only a few people have seen because. I've only had a few jobs in my time, thankfully, but it's on there. Um, and, and I love his <laughs> films. I love the way he takes on a- any role and and the way he can kind of just turn it into something, I would say amazing is the word. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. What is it? Uh, what was the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing? Um, I rem- The first one I remember seeing was Rumblefish, but... I don't particularly remember him in it because um, when I when when I was sort of thinking back, I was like, yeah, that was probably the first film I probably saw with him in it, but not you know. Yeah. Um, the one that really kind of caught me was Leaving Las Vegas. Um, I used to work in a video store, so I kind of wow. had access to a lot of movies, and obviously that was kind of like award winning and you know, and generally 
you know, high on the sort of like um, hype scale, if you will, back then. Um, but yeah, no, since, I mean, so after that, I was really kind of like, it was followed by The Rock and Con Air. So, <laughs> um, and it, well, yeah, what was, an entry level point to oh, like, totally <laughs> getting what some people would call like the highest mark of nick cage and then to get like that one two three punch of the rock con air and face off just to be like if you like this guy well you're gonna fucking love him now yeah yeah and he was that that was like (laughs) again that was like it was like film after film after film. he fucking won an oscar and then did (laughs) was it was it was it con air first i think it was it's it's the the rock the The rock rock was first yeah yeah yeah. so and and you go from that and then you go to con air and you just like and then and then face off and then you just yeah. look at the rest of it as well i mean it's just it's just like how versatile is he you know yeah 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 well, there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of films around that kind of late 90s era that like fall through the cracks i think it was only yesterday uh all the time we were recording that it was martin scorsese's birthday mm. and like twitter was a light with obviously people going oh i love goodfellas i love like the kind of uh the the big hits basically king of comedy or taxi driver and stuff like that and i was like have many of you seen bringing out the dead which is like a fantastic scorsese film starring nicholas cage and it's just like it's a real chef's kiss of a movie yeah no no that was uh that was one of the sort of uh bringing out the dead was one of the films when dvds became well getting popular and a mm-hmm. lot of people are using, we're going back in time here, using a website called play.com. And it was importing films over. And I got it like six, seven months before it came out here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that because it, like, it was one of the first like batch of DVDs I got. And I've still got it. Um, and it still plays after all these years. But, it's, um, but it was back when like that sort of like, uh, well, it's a very different film industry back then. Um, but yeah, no, that is a fantastic film as well. Amazing. So what is your favourite Nick Cage film? Okay, I've got two. Is that all right? I'm going to pick one of them, but okay. yeah, you can all say right. two. All right. Uh, well, it's Con Air and The Rock. Well, well, I would I would put the Con Air first. Um, <laughs> but those two films are on a par for me. I just like, I watch them over and over. And, and I still watch whenever they're on TV now, or if they're on like demand, and I just need something to watch. It's my sort of go-to is one of those two films. With Con Air, I think it's just the sort of like the lineup they had on the film. So you had like, obviously Nick Cage, main person, but you also had John Cusack. You also had um, John Malkovich. You had uh, Steepy Semi. I mean, it's a it's a absolute magnificent cast. It's stacked top to bottom, and yeah. it's like I think a lot of people. It's kind of a thing I always say is people don't realize how funny it is. It's like it's an action comedy. Like yeah, totally, like, totally. It's got Chappelle in it, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And, like, they knew to cast Chappelle because, like, it's, it, 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 is, it is funny. Like, Cage can't be doing that voice, like, without knowing that, like, delivering, put the burning back <laughs> in the box, like, isn't going to sound funny. Yes. Like <laughs> That's the exact uh, quote I was going to use as well. Um, <laughs> but no, it's uh, it's it's just a it's just a fantastic film, and I love John Cusack as well. He's one of my favorite actors as well. Um, I've loved like since the eighties, sort of like teen films he did, 
um, and I tend to watch everything else that he's been in, a bit like Nick Cage, to be fair. Um, and, and just having those two in there. And then obviously with The Rock, you've got him, uh, you've got the late Sean Connery now as well. Um, and and just sort of, it, it just again, it was kind of a, a very stacked cast, but I think that was a very kind of um, a Michael Bay thing as well. It's got that thing in The Rock that, like, it's got that believable bad guy as well, where you're, like, yeah. sympathetic and empathetic to what he's doing. Like, you're kind of like, oh, he's got, off, he's got a point to what he's doing, but, mm. like, the way he's going about it, eh, not yeah, so a, good. It's like. a bit much. <laughs> but just the, I mean, just taking it sort of back to Nick Cage, just having those different, like, uh, acting, you know, there's, there's quite a difference between those two characters, Along mm-hmm. with what you know, he won an award for the one before that with Leaving Las Vegas, and it was just, just sort of watching that. I I love people that can just not so much chew the scenery, but kind of make it go all the way round, and make it like, oh, that's what the character would do, mm-hmm. and yeah. not just yeah. like, yeah. like you know, ham it up all the time. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's the thing. And like, I like to have this conversation a lot on the podcast about the thing that I think Nicolas Cage now has become this easily like memeable and lambasted character like Mm. people just laugh at him and it's maybe it's the last 10 years of these like straight to dvd and vod releases but i i I always like say like there is every so often maybe it's a two three year stretch or whatever he will pull something out of the bag and there's there's films that like maybe if you hold them up to other films that year yeah, they're not really going to cut the mustard. But if you really go granular on Nick Cage's performance in those films, he will do something interesting, whether it's like something, I don't know, with his movement or something with his voice or kind of like there'll be something in a scene and you see like a glint of that, like that old guy. So like he's a weird one for me because it's always like there's always hope that like the next film is going to be like, this could be good like it could it could go 50 50 yeah no totally i mean you could i mean sort of going around on a lot of the films obviously the one we we sort of going to speak about today with running of wearing of the devil but you've got like that and then you've got like mum and dad and you've got mandy and you've got um uh what was the other one the other one i've just saw i haven't watched it yet but it was something in uh color in space or space in color or something color out of space that's yeah, the yeah. one um and that's just arrived on amazon so i'm gonna watch that at some point it's on my next sort of like on my watch list but um no it's just it's just like like you say out of all the sort of like films that he's done he's I, like i say he's prolific and he's sort of saying yes to a lot of projects i think um whether that's just wanting to work all the time um or not but you do get like glimpses of like even if they're small roles you got like kick-ass and you've got um like when he did the voice in the spider-man animated thing and and um you know he does a lot of voiceover stuff for a lot of the kids Mm -hmm. films as well so it's just sort of showing that kind of like like he's willing to do i'm gonna say he's not willing to do anything but it's just kind of he wants to try everything in order to test himself i think and he's becoming this like highly i mean he was already highly rated as an actor anyway but he's become i think he's becoming like one of this generation's like true i mean on the nick cage podcast but i think he's going to be a legend at the end of this you know he's going to be like you know sean connery legend he's going to be like that sort of like you know maybe even bigger than that you know when 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 that day comes but he's just kind of you look back on a body of work not everyone's body of work is is perfect but these are giving him the 
chance to sorry to, <laughs> um, but these are giving him the chance to really kind of like stretch every muscle mm-hmm. well one of the people i always like look to and like everyone holds up as like this fantastic actor but like did did a string of like duffers is marlon brando like mm. but like nearer like the kind of end of his like life and end of his career and stuff like that he was doing some he was doing some dog touch yeah you know i mean like and it's like i don't know i feel like Nick Cage, in a way, might go down in history as like a kind of Vincent Price esque character of like it was in a lot. Do you know what I mean? All yeah. of those old old school guys, and there's very much an element of the old school Hollywood to Nick Cage yes. of like he yeah. very much like keeps himself to himself. He always he like any time you see him out and about, he looks like he looks great and it's like you don't know much about his personal life and then like he is a he's a movie star, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And it's it's like I say, those sort of like levels of people like like a Marlon Brando, despite the duff stuff that he did to you know, he is legendary. You know, he mm-hmm. he has those roles that define him. Yeah. Um but where I think that 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 like when you look at his career, people study that career. When you look at Nick Cage's career, I think that's going to be on the same level because you're going to get these actors kind of watching what he does in all these different, he's played, I'd say he's played pretty much everything, you know, bar a few couple of, you know, probably there's a couple of things he could probably still do, but you could then sort of like, you know, it's always putting yourself in, I would say uncomfortable positions. Like a lot of people like thrive on that side of things. I think he's one of those people. He won't say no to a challenge. Or mm-hmm. he'll read something and it will stay with him. And it will, you know, and, and he'll go for, you know, certain roles that, you know, feels that he can do. Or it's something, you know, like a lot of these films recently, I found that he's, yes, he's top billing on the film. But when you look at his screen time, he's not in it very long. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I recently, um, at the time... Time, yeah, uh, yeah. I recently read a review of the film Jiu Jitsu oh, yeah. that uh, would have come out in December, yep. uh, but like uh, somebody said, yeah, somebody said about that one. They were like, "There is actually more Cage than you would expect from this," and I was like, "Thanks for thanks for leaving that in the review because nice. you do you do get worried sometimes with yeah. these like it's the, the bigger he is on the poster a lot of the time, you think, uh oh." Like we're not going to get much Nick Cage, are we? Like we're just going to go. Get, he's going to be peppered, or it's going to be. I think the what the biggest one for me of like the last ten years for that is Outcast. Yes, where like his character is basically bookends the plot, and you're like, oh, I want I wanted more kind of low pan crazy Cage, like yeah. channeling this. I don't know, yeah, Chinese energy that he's doing for his very weird performance. But like, <laughs> give me more of that. Yeah. <laughs> just make your own cut of it. It's just, um, About but, 10 minutes long. Yeah. No, I've just found with a lot of this, like I say, a lot of these like films that, that kind of have come out more recently, it is a sort of like he's top billing and he's like spent out of the hour and a half the film's on, he's in it for about half an hour. Yeah, if that, which is you know, which is fine. If you're getting cage out of it, then fine. If you're not getting so much cage out of it, then you do feel a little bit cheated on that front. But I've been watching a few films recently where this has kind of happened, where like some actors have been like top build on it. And I was watching, I think it was it take it completely off a Nick Cage film, but The Hunt just been added to one of the streaming services, and um, it's kind of a cross between 
Hunger Games and The Purge or something. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, one of the characters in it is Emma Roberts, which is one of the sort of like Roberts family. Um, I think it's Eric Roberts' daughter. And uh, not to give you any spoilers, but she lasts about five minutes in the film before she's off. And it's just like wow, that was a top billing person and they're gone like that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, if anyone was like a big fan of hers, <laughs> they'd be, I mean, they might be happy, but they might be disappointed at the same time. Yeah, sometimes, I, I don't know, that rug pull sometimes works, whether it's like the psycho, the, the lead actress would be like, this is who you're here to see the film. And it's like, oh, she's only in it for the first half hour, then we're killing her off. Yeah. To kind of like that, 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 that kind of stuff, like, I tip my hat off to but i think sometimes with these nick cage films there is like a a bit of like duplicity to it all they're like they're they're dangling a carrot to you and then you get into the room and then it's full of like glass and needles yeah. like you're in <laughs> you're in one of jigsaw's traps oh, Jesus! <laughs> and you're waiting for that cage moment <laughs> and you watch the whole film just to see if you get it <laughs> There should be a website out there. Maybe you should start it. Of like, you know, you know, like some people do like things like Skin of the Stars, where they find all the nude scenes in the films. Yeah, you should do one for Cage, the Cage moments. <laughs> I, like I, I thought about stuff like that. Like I have uh, this kind of peek behind the curtain for people listening as well. That I just have loads and loads of like do, uh, documents, whether they're like spreadsheets or like Word documents, stuff like that. And I have thought about, I'm trying to compile like just a ridiculous uh, spreadsheet at the moment. And I have thought at times like, oh, maybe I can go through and like see how, yeah, see how long he is on screen and kind of work out percentages and stuff yeah. just to create like these ridiculous charts. And I, I imagine somebody out there maybe has calculated how long he's on screen for. Uh, if they have and they're listening, please do get in touch because I'd love to know that information. Yes, that would be amazing information. <laughs> <laughs> so now's probably the best time to talk about running with the devil. Profits, new markets, the whole shop. That's the second load now that's been light and overcut. I'm aware. This is your territory. It's your responsibility. So fix it. You got anything? It's not good. Double the task force. We gotta get this off the streets. Are you going somewhere? There are some administrative issues I have to attend to. Are you happy? It's a start. You coming on this next run with me? Cut you in on the end game. All right. You ready to go? Did you fix the problem? So you're a big time player now. It's a big boat you're rocking. As long as we've been fighting it, nothing has changed. Have you lost your mind? You have gambled. You have lost. It's over. Was this your first time watching this film? 
Um, it was my second time. <laughs> how, 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 how did you see? How did you see it the first time? Was it like a kind uh, of the first time, rental? Or? No, no, no. It was on. It was on Netflix. So um, I I saw it pop up on new releases, and because I watch a lot of Nick Cage, it kind of pops up under my recommended <laughs> side of things, uh, which is a useful useful little algorithm. Um, but um, no, I watched it, and then um, I think it was about a couple of weeks later, you posted up about the films and mm-hmm. i volunteered because i just watched it <laughs> and then a couple of months later here we are uh so i watched it again before that before this so so what did you make a lot on first impressions like with well, the fact that you had watched it saw my post and went you know what yeah i do want to go talk about that film did uh, you enjoy it first of all i did i did it it starts it starts a little slow um, not to, you know, to sort of give my critique, if you will. It starts a little slow, but it starts to get a bit more interesting as you kind of delve deeper into the, the, what the film's about. Yeah, well, my thing with it is that, like, intro, you're saying, like, so we kind of, like, it opens up and you get this, like, it really grabs you by the throat because there's, like, a, a naked, a naked man with a bag on his head. Yes. You have no idea who it is. And then he's burnt alive and you're like, Oh, bloody hell. And it's got this weird, like, blue, like, one of my things, like, it's got a weird blue filter over it. Like, what's going on here? It looks like. <laughs> but, but then we get this weird, like, we get, like, three, like, kind of intros. So we get that, and then we get this Goodfellas style, like, going through the club, somebody handing over some drugs, yeah. the people going to the toilets, taking the cocaine. And then it's, like, all out of nowhere. It's like, bang somewhere in mexico and like what the fuck's going on here and it's like this kind of like drug deal or like yeah these the army taking out these like uh drug cartel in their van as they're smuggling drugs and it's like okay <laughs> yeah it was it was quite it was quite yeah there, there's those initial impact points when it when it when it started and i was just like okay and you kind of get the sort of feel of the film at that point as well you're like, it's it's kind of like this is a. I, I don't know much about the director. I didn't like research the director or anything like that. But you're like, it's got to be one of his first attempts at something. And he's so been- yeah, th- this is his first um, attempt as like a solo director. He had co-directed a film before this. Okay, uh, but the director Jason Cabell. I looked at his career. He's done a lot of acting, a lot of like bit parts, a lot of like kind of uh, what maybe like. Sp- one one line here, one yeah. line there, or like, do you know what I mean? It's a lot of like man number two, so a lot of like <laughs> extra work and stuff like that. But to me, this film, I kind of got a whiff of it quite early on that it's like he's been watching Breaking Bad and yes. like kind of looked up at his Tarantino box set and gone like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like if like Tarantino had directed a Breaking Bad episode. And then it's like at the same time like he's like oh narcos has just been like it's just wrapped up like we'll chuck a bit of that in there yes. as well yes no that's exactly it and it's just like obviously you find you got these three this three-part intro kind of thing but you've got like uh, how how drugs are trafficked <laughs> which was which was the well, basic that the, the, it was a kind of like the the lord of the rings part of the film <laughs> if you will there's a lot of walking um, <laughs> um 
um but it was basically to deliver drugs and then and like i, I mean i don't know what you like with spoilers on this show but i'm gonna give away bits and stuff but um <laughs> Um, oh, it's, it, go 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 all in. Okay, on cool. So you find out along the way, like as they're as they're traveling with these drugs, at each waypoint it gives it a price. Yeah. So and like you get up to and like and then it gets up to like twenty four thousand a kilo or whatever it is, and and it's just like okay, that's one aspect of the film. Then you've got like the arc of like um, the Nicolas Cage character, the cook, um, and oh crap, what was the other guy's name? Larry Fishburne as the man. Oh, yeah. And then we have, like, that's the thing. Another thing with this is, like, the director, he wrote this as well. Oh, okay. If looking through the IMDb credits, everyone, and, like, yeah, so we got the cook, the executioner, yes. agent in charge, the man, yeah. the snitch, the woman, the <laughs> boss, the farmer, the collector. And it's like, yeah, we get it. You're trying to be a bit cool and edgy by going, like, yeah. you know what? We're not going to use anyone's names. But then I just kind of like, I didn't care about anyone. It's no. like, you know, you're, you're trying to do this thing, but you at the, at the same time, when certain things happen to characters, I was like, so? Yeah, yeah. Even the bit where, where uh, Leslie Bibb's character, um, her sister ends up ODing on this drug. And, 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 and you're like, oh. And you don't see any kind of, I mean, obviously well, she gets upset about it, but... And there's a kid involved, but at the end of it, I was just like, normally with those sort of films, you sort of like those scenes, if you will, you do feel sorry for someone. And like you said, you just don't, it's no emotion. Well, there's no character development. So yeah. we kind of like, there's too many plates spinning for you to like kind of get invested in anyone. So it kind of has this like split narrative where you have all these kind of like different players. And it's like, a, a more accomplished writer and director maybe would have come up with like, this like n- nice interweaving i think that's where like the kind of tarantino aspect of it came into me it's like mm. in the hands of tarantino like a kind of plot like this would be great but then like i kind of broke it down like so the whole film is about this guy essentially going to colombia to get cocaine to canada and yes. i was like this is basically like a montage sequence from the johnny depp film blow Yes. I was like, and they've just gone, you know what? We're going to scratch this out over an hour and 26 minutes. That's exactly what I got written down as well. Um, <laughs> amazing. Um, but no, it was. It was just like all these cutscenes of the of the drug traveling. And I'm like, this could have been a cut. This could like, and you can show them in the certain bits where they had to intercept it and, and make sure, you know, and at every point where he's testing it to make sure it's still pure. Because obviously the issue is it's getting in, it's being cut with crap um and then you know and you follow these characters that kind of all kind of i guess they do come together at the end in in some way because <laughs> they're always kind mm-hmm. of like the police part of it they're always kind of there but they're being really badly outsmarted <laughs> like really yeah. like rookie mistakes that you kind of like um like a text message to the person that is the snitch and you're like yeah yeah why would you why don't you just this should have been settled before any kind of, you know. Well, yeah, to to kind of like go to when we like introduced uh, Nick Cage. So straight off the bat, he is dressed like Walter White from yes. Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And the fact he's called the Cook, which like famously Walter White was like a meth cook. So yeah. it's like as soon as this kind of like, all right, like yeah. He's dressed exactly the same. He's got the same kind of wire-framed glasses and horrible, like, 
beige jacket and shirt and stuff like that. His kind of mission from Barry Pepper is when, like, the co- the cocaine's not right, so you've got to travel all the way to Colombia, come back with it, and, like, yeah, as you said, test it along the way. Yeah. Um, but one, one of the things I like that is, like, a character quirk of Nicolas Cage's is he has this uh, necklace that, like, he puts on that, like, when he's at home having dinner with his wife, she's like, you've got the necklace on. Does that mean you've got to go to work? Like, like it's like what? Like, where? Like, there is no kind of like establishment to that's what that means, apart from this kind of like really lazy exchange between him and his wife. Yeah, no, that was uh, yeah, that was another thing. I was like, was, <laughs> sorry, just thinking back to it, I was just like, yeah, no, that's right. It's and it, it's just sort of. I don't know you you kind of had you had a really good cast with this as well. You had some like kind of quality. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, um, you know, famed actor and whatnot. In this, you got Nick Cage, you got Leslie Bibb as well. For those who don't know, Leslie Bibb is it was Talladega Nights. She was Ricky Bobby's wife in that, and yeah, yeah. she's been in loads of other stuff. Um, and there was a few other, even the guy who played the snitch, uh, Gold, uh, oh God, man, Adam Goldberg. Adam yeah, Goldberg. Yeah. You know, he's been in loads of stuff. And, and you just kind of like, okay, you've got this cast. They've obviously agreed to do this, this script. And there's just like, there is a lot of talent there. But the storytelling, I can only put it, really put it down to the director in as much as the storytelling of it wasn't, I mean, I'm not expecting a, per- no, no film is perfect, but, there could have been so much more to it. Like you said, it had these elements of Breaking Bad. It had an element of, of like, you know, more Tarantino-esque kind of like themes and whatnot. But I think either they had a very little time to do it or those big name actors just kind of do what they do. And it was kind of like, let's do another take. And it was like, no, <laughs> that was good. Yeah, well, the, there's like a really interesting thing in this that like that. There is an interesting character, like Larry Fishburne's character of this kind of uh, middleman drug dealer, like, yeah, mid- mid-tier. And, like, we get this scene that, again, in another director's hands would have looked great of, like, it's stop motion, not stop motion, it's kind of time-lapse in the background of him him with these sex workers. It's yes. all going crazy. Yeah. And then he's, he's at the front, like, every so often dipping down and doing some coke yeah but all i could see was oh so they've filmed the they filmed the time lapse and then they've just got lawrence fishburne to to predominantly sit in a chair in front of a green screen and then every so often bend down and go (laughs) (sighs) it's like okay like it doesn't look it, it it like you could see the kind of edges to it, and it's yes. like no, yeah. no, like come on, yeah. No, that 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 particular scene was like you know you kind of get it in a lot of those sort of drug fueled moment in films, um. But some of the scenes in it were just so like it. It was like one one take, obviously, on that front. Because even when you've got like when he's like having sex with the with the sex workers, it's like they're in underwear and everything, and there's like no. Not that you're looking for anything, but there's no no nudity, if you will. Um, yeah, like Lawrence Fishburne's like got his underwear on, and it's like it doesn't even look like it's got the crinkle that he's got his old like chap out. All I could think is like he has just like unbuttoned the buttons on the 
front yeah. of his boxers and poked it through. And it's like, <laughs> well, you're playing this scumbag drug dealer. Like, yeah. Go for it. Go for it. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's there like in his vest and pants and I would imagine his socks as well. It's like, yeah. like come on, Larry, go full crazy with yeah. this. I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things where you could kind of like, uh, as crude as this sounds, he could have got some tips from his daughter because uh, <laughs> she's in adult <laughs> films. So it's it's just like, maybe, you know, not, not you could give your father who's who's an established actor at this, you know, at this point, he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's award winning and, you know, and he's, he's very well respected in the industry. Not that this film will bring him down any notches, but it's just like scenes like that. And you just like, it kind of like takes away a level of, I want to say believability, if you will. Like there's, there's no, uh-huh. it was very, it wasn't, the realism was very low. Yeah, well, I, I, I've put in my notes here, <laughs> 10 minutes in, we've been shown all these people, because not only do we get the people that I've already mentioned, like, kind of introduced, mm. well, more people get introduced after the 10-minute mark, but we get we get Clinton uh, Collins Jr. as this, like, Colombian, uh, like, cocaine farmer. Yeah. And I'm like... He like you would see him in something, and he would like easily play the lead in like a a lower budget film, or yeah. like at least kind of like it's like second billing. And it's like, oh great, like he's going to have something to do in this. No, he's not. No. By like the twenty minute mark, he's never seen again. And it's like, what is going? On? And like, yeah, by you get to this ten minute mark, or like once every once all the kind of dominoes are set up, you're like, I don't know, I don't <laughs> care. Any of the, I don't know who, who any of these people spent 15 minutes introducing them all. And it's like, yeah. there's only there's only an hour and 10 minutes <laughs> to kind of play this out. So you're not, you're not getting into anyone's backstory. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely not. And I, he actually bookends the film, doesn't he? Because he starts off doing like making the stuff. And then in the end credits, you just see him starting that walk again and again and again. Ah, there we go. So Mate, what, is it is it like at the end of the credits? No, no, it's about credit it's point about or? thirty or forty seconds into the ending credits. Um, basically, I mean, not <laughs> to sort of jump to the end of the film, like you, throughout the whole film, as we as oh, we talk about, but it's basically a chase. You know, it's a game of cat and mouse and whatnot. Um, when they've got to try and stop the drugs coming through or find them, and 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 like they come to the realization that. We'll talk about that in a minute. But anyway, after the end sequence, <laughs> um, yeah, you see basically that that nothing has changed. So after mm-hmm. the consequence of the end, uh, which is quite an abrupt ending, um, it it shows him, the guy, walking again, starting his journey, and every time he's got a different, like, ribbon on the backpack. Oh, uh, so, like, okay. Well, like, the- I feel like that, that was probably like, oh, well... We've got, yeah, we've got Clinton Collins Jr. for for a day. We've realised actually it will only take half a day to shoot his stuff. So what we'll do is we'll just get him to like change the ribbon each time and have another yes. little walk. Because those those scenes are supposed to be Columbia. I was I, I put in my notes going, wow, these are some really beautiful shots of Columbia. Like yeah. when you see like his farm and stuff like that and he first comes in to see his kids i'm like wow those mountains look amazing yeah yeah but no, it's uh no it's lovely <laughs> that end so i i didn't see that ending because okay. literally as soon as credit credits rolled on this i was like 
that's it that's going off but uh <laughs> there is a there is a thing that um it, it kind of seems wholly unnecessary as well because there is a speech that barry pepper delivers that basically says that anyway yeah no exactly exactly and that's what i was going to allude to but it was like yeah you can't stop it it's the the wheels are in motion no matter what who the players are um so you can either capture or off and and she even says it like yeah. on that in that end sequence as well she knows this she knows she can't stop it she's tried to she can't and then she just well she flat out just shoots the cook yeah <laughs> in his kitchen so, <laughs> so like what what actors in this kind of stood out to you is there anyone like who you're like oh that's like a, a a um, decent performance. What about Cage's performance in this? Uh, Cage's performance, I thought it was all right. I mean, he sort of played it um, on the sort of like, on the cusp of what you kind of expect from that kind of person. Um, there were moments where you kind of saw flashes of of that kind of like crazy Cage, um, mm-hmm. uh, but it was kind of suppressed, um, apart from the one moment where we find out who's on fire, uh, <laughs> where he kind of had that look in his eye of like, that's what's going on um but yeah no i thought his performance was pretty good again he wasn't in it for very long i say i think his screen time was probably along the sort of like maybe 30 odd minutes or so but um you know every point i i yeah no his performance was it was just solid it was just a sort of it was a it was a performance yeah well for the for the fact that he kind of like comes in and out of this story like you'll be following the drugs and then it will kind of get to like a checkpoint and then he'll turn up to maybe like intervene conveniently get get things across like Mm. so the drugs can continue check them or whatever but like by the time it got to the point where he's it it turns into like a wholly different film of him and larry fishburne kind of going on a camping trip I was like, I checked like the time left on the film. I was like, this has been on for an hour. But I was like, <laughs> I thought this was wrapping up. Yeah, no, that last scene was very, uh, or last like section when he was, it was like walking through that side of it. Again, it was just like this film was cut very strangely, and it mm-hmm. had that kind of like you know when I, I, earlier on I said like Lord of the Rings where they've kind of gone from this like beautiful landscape in Colombia. they're going through all these different weathers with different people carrying the ring or the bag if you will the bag of drugs um and then it ends up with like cage and lawrence um basically walking through snow <laughs> for well, there's, a, there's a nice moment those two share where they're kind of like it's a bit of a heart to heart where they're like uh larry fishburne's asking like cage's character like about Oh, so are you going to talk about that guy that we like yeah. you killed yesterday? Because things transpire that the cops get a hold of the snitch and yeah. like he, well, he's basically going to snitch and then Cage finds out about it because as you mentioned earlier, there's the phone on the back seat. A fixer's called in out of nowhere to get rid of the body and he's like, you've also got this tracker on your car like conveniently and it's like (laughs) all all of that just felt a bit like i don't know breaking bad to me with like kind of gus fring and his like the character of mike like just having these fixers out there and people who can do stuff but when we get to this moment where they're talking like 
having that heart start. I'm like, this is like, this is kind of interesting. And it's like, I, I like the way those two kind of played off of each other. And like, yeah. you, it had you second guessing as to the point, because at that point, like the audience, we're thinking like Cage, like he had just said in the scene before where he's talking to like one of the many people who's like in on this kind of mm. part of this organization. He says like, well, I'm halfway through completing like my mission. So it's like, oh, so he's done the snitch. He's also gonna like off Larry Fishburne's character. Yeah. And it's like, it's just now, now they're in the wilderness. It's a matter of when is that going to be? Yeah. No, there was that, like, and you can, you had that kind of like two established actors knowing what to do in that situation. Like you say, it's yeah. kind of a yeah, heartfelt yeah. moment between them. And he kind of leaves it, you know, does that mean I'm going to get like off? And he goes, he goes, that's not a decision that i can make and then mm-hmm. and then heads off and then obviously the next scene is them walking along a cliff edge <laughs> <laughs> actually no no lawrence fishburne slips in the river doesn't he and loses his backpack yeah well there's um like i think an actor who i think's personally great in this film is adam goldberg he really does bring like some wiry cocaine energy to yeah. this film yeah no he definitely did he played his character very well um <laughs> it's it's his delivery when he goes to uh Lawrence Fishburne's like apartment and he's like where are the bitches at and he's like oh they're in the back he's like bitches in the back bitches in the back <laughs> and he just plays this kind of like scumbag like yeah. you can't like he's one of the characters where it's like I didn't really need like to be introduced like as soon as he's introduced on screen i don't need any backstory because i i know who that guy is yes yeah i've met people like that before yes <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah no his yeah his character i thought was actually it was that was one of the more because i like sort of like comic relief it gave because mm-hmm. otherwise this would have been quite a so i think quite a stale affair otherwise the, the thing i didn't get quite get with his character again it, i think it comes down to the sloppy writing is how quickly he is kind of like caught and like uh yeah like the police yeah. have got him and then he's just like putting this and that, that's the thing as well they kind of try and add to the duplicity of everyone because the 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 agent in charge she kind of goes a bit like rogue and yes. then strings him up in some warehouse she conveniently has the keys to to yes. kind of interrogate him and it's like Okay, so we're supposed to be siding with you, but like, especially in a year like 2020 where it's like cops are bastards, and yeah. it's like, well, we're supposed to root for you, but at the same time, you're like, you're fucking breaking loads of rules here. Yeah, no, it was that, and it was kind of like, I thought it was going to be something from Dexter because she had the tarp, tarp out and everything, and I was just like, okay, what's she going to do? But you don't see that, like, I think with her character, you don't see, obviously, you know what happened to her, like, say her sister gets like, ODs and her sister and her husband ODs on this dodgy drug and leaves her niece to be, you know, orphaned. But you don't see that kind of, you see moments where she does sort of like break down, but you don't see that moment of like, you don't see a breakdown moment, if you will. You know, she cries, but you don't see that moment where she just absolutely fucking loses it. Like, which you would do in that situation. And that would drive you to do what she was or how she had rigged up the snitch in that in that warehouse um so like you say like you're trying to root for these people you try and root for the good guy or whatever and you just that just again it's just like down to that storytelling moment you don't get that 
message. You don't know if that was kind of what, you know, what she was like before this happened. But she obviously... Well, I don't know who we're supposed to be rooting for either. No, there is that too. You're kind of like, (laughs) you know, you you want the guy to get through the checkpoint, (laughs) you know? And then you see all the little, like, sneaky little tricks and stuff that they do to try and get through that checkpoint. But then you see the guy get the shit kicked out of him for letting them through that checkpoint. (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's the thing as well. Like, it, it, it... It tries to borrow things from, like, everywhere. Like, it's kind of got that, like, Ocean's Eleven kind of reveal, but it's, like, literally the scene after it. It's like, oh, my God, how do they get through this situation? It's like, well, don't worry. We're going to show you in the next scene that they just bribed one of the guards. Like, because there's this devil stamp that seems to be on anything that these guys, like, have have to do. And it's like, it's just all quite... Yeah, it's it, it's it's all quite bizarre, and it just feels it feels quite like a a video game almost in places as well, where it's like different levels. Yeah, yeah, and like you you play between the cutscenes. Yeah. <laughs> You're supposed to piece that together yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was quite a short film. It was like an hour and twenty something minutes, wasn't it? Yeah, around yeah. that. So, as somebody who is a music fan, what did you make of the score for this film? Was it something that stood out or? Not, not especially. I mean, the club scene towards the end with the, um, I want to say Spanish dance music, it's the only <laughs> thing that really sticks to my mind. Um, I think mainly because I'm a DJ and nightclubs are something that I yeah. play in. Not in that style, though, unfortunately. Not in that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, yeah, no, that I, um, at, like overall the score, I mean, it was a pretty, sta- I think it was pretty standard kind of like what you'd expect from those sort of films. I mean, like I say, the only moment that stuck out for me was the uh, nightclub. Well, there's a moment, I think it's the moment where they're on the roadblock and it's got that like pulsating like synth bit where it's like, it just reminds me of like a number of like 2000s like crime dramas. So it's like, so it's like replicate that heartbeat sound. It's like, (laughs) oh, come on, do something interesting here. Like, (laughs) like, please. I I know you can't afford like needle, like big, like big needle drops. Yeah. That's, and that, the the music you're talking about, like the kind of needle drops we get in this, it, it just reeks of like, what did you, like, what did you want but couldn't afford? Yes, there's probably quite a lot of that front. So you could get like something cheap off the old sync agencies, but not the big banger that they wanted. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, we really want that Pitbull track. Well, oh, that's yeah. going to cost you. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> like scroll, like, you know, when you go through filters on like eBay or something yes. and go like filter cheapest first, please. <laughs> <laughs> no publishing, <of> that. yeah. <laughs> No, it's there. It's definitely one of those sort of like things. There's nothing um, memorable from it in a big way. Amazing. Well, shall we jump into kind of getting into the the end of this film and yeah. how everything kind of wraps up? Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. Well, let's go from when they're having that lovely walk in the snow, uh, <laughs> because as 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 like Jesus did in one of those stories, um, Nicholas Cage. Well, his character, the cook, dies. He falls from a rather large cliff face. Um, and then, uh, luckily, Lawrence Fishburne finds, or gets the, gets the backpack off him that was full of drugs. 
<laughs> and then finds the other one, luckily, at the other end. <laughs> well, Lawrence Fishburne as well has like this line as well when he when he's holding on to Cage's hand on the cliff face. He says to him like, "I'm going to take my chances with a cartel." Yes. Where does it stop? And like that line, where does it stop? Is said throughout this film and like even like at the end when it's finally said i was like what does that mean no i think that was i think that was like i've actually got that written down in quotations in front of me and i was gonna bring it up but it was like it was one of those like things throughout the film that that i think if you'd seen that last cut scene it might have kind of brought you that kind of realization that it won't end it's like asking when it will end like i know from um, stories that I've heard from people that work in government agencies um, mm-hmm. that that have worked for the DEA. I've got a, an American side yeah. of my family, and and those drug trafficking or the drug like uh, areas where they come into the country, where they're going around, they all know where they are, like they do in this film. Mm-hmm. They know where they are. They can't stop them in various countries because they don't have the jurisdiction. And it is, it's kind of like a thing to that. It's like, it's like even back when these people that I know were working for that area of the world in like the 60s and things like that in the 70s. When will it stop? I don't think it will. Those drug, drug routes are... <laughs> yeah, like, I, I get that aspect of it. I just don't understand why these characters who are like in the thick of it asking that question to each other were yeah. like... Where does it stop? It's like what? Why does why does Larry Fishburne and Cage care about that? It's like I can understand like the police caring about, it, but it's like where does what like where does yeah. what stop? Well, obviously, like we know we know the drugs are going to continue like going on and on, but it's like is he is he trying to say like where does the madness of it all stop? And it's, it's like why are you getting why are you getting your characters to say that? It, it kind of feels like to me again lazy script writing to the point where yeah. it's like. You need to you need to really have this in your mind, and it's like, and then the, by the second time it's said, it's like if you weren't listening at the back, you really need to you really need to like hold on to this because we're, we're going to pay it off, uh, but only if you like stay partway through yeah. the credits. It's unfortunately it's, I didn't. That's <laughs> right. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like an in joke that you're not in on. <laughs> you know it's maybe something they came up with in in like maybe there was another scene where it kind of explained where that come from but um no like i said i mean the sort of like wider context obviously what i said was what i said but like in the film context, you're right in the film context it was like it's just something that they said mm-hmm. it wasn't like you know um yeah it that was yeah that no, was peppered throughout the film <laughs> so pushing on with the plot obviously yeah. like larry fishburne gets to uh barry pepper i I love saying barry pepper is such a such a great name but like he he plays the boss so he gets he 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 gets in contact with him and then and then it starts to unfurl that like these kind of little sizzle scenes we've seen at the beginning of stuff where it's like when you're left like going well what the fuck was that the first one we get is that kind of godfather style like through the club and we get and that's the thing as well it's like this could have been a lot more interesting where it's like we get like a a different scene like either shot shot from a different angle and then as an audience we piece it together and go oh that's the suit we saw from the beginning but it's like oh no we just get an extended version of that where it's (laughs) like the bit 
it's where it cut to Larry Fishburne's face. They've just edited out at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. And you know, as as the film kind of unf- like this last sort of like ten minutes of the film where he kind of gets the drugs to Pepper and and everything seems hunky dory. And as much as like he's explained what happened to the cook and and he thinks he's going to get or he's like in the, the impression that he's completed the mission which he has and that he's going to get paid and taken care of and then and all that kind of stuff and the fbi agents are kind of like buzzing around it they're sort of still trying to track them and get them to that point they know where they are certain things transcribe where he was sort of chartered on a jet elsewhere and all that kind of stuff you know the usual sort of like getting away from it all um and yeah sort of it looks like they're closing in on it and they try and get him uh towards the end but they can't because they're in a different country they have no jurisdiction <laughs> to arrest them which is really they're right there and it's like i need yeah. to stop that plane it's like why don't you just scream at them to stop <laughs> you know it's like they're like 20 maybe 20 foot in front of you so, yeah, yeah. Um, um but she manages to get her phone out and take a photo uh, which was useful. And, um, and yeah, she goes off obviously to see Pepper after that to kind of see what, um, you know, that's how we get this great like speech from Barry Pepper where he's like, well, I, I might, might own a plane. Governments and people like me have been like giving loans to these country and they're not going to repay us in coffee, are they? It's like, oh, oh, Pepper, you've, you've really cracked the nut. You've really, the case is wide open now. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> no, it was, it was like, it was one of those moments, again, you don't see like Leslie Bibb's character again. She doesn't, she kind of like acts like a child, you know, where she walks out and then just gives him the middle finger. And you're like, it's not a moment where, like, again, where she breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can kind of, like, maybe see, you know, no, she doesn't break in that either. There's no kind of, like, you don't see that kind of, like, mental break in her no, to kind no. of, like, see where she was going to go next. Um, but, you know, they're, like, I mean, the next scene is, is well, like I said earlier, like, Jesus... <laughs> Nicholas Cage, <laughs> he came back to life. Yeah, <laughs> like so we get we get that reveal. So we get the we get the kind of like dual reveal that like Cage is back to life mm. and that Lawrence Fishburne is the man with a bag on his head from that opening shot. Yes. And then he's kind of wheeled out and it's like, oh, here he is. He's put over like the 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 barrels and the the, the petrols like thrown everywhere. Yeah. And then like Nicholas Cage pops out and like delivers this speech that is fucking gobbledygook. Basically, <laughs> I have one great line in it. Uh, like uh, I've got, I've got some of it written down here, which is like, "You have gambled, you have lost. For you, right there, I don't know. For you, right here, right now, it's over. Yeah. Where does it stop? It didn't need then, the where then, does it stop. It just needed that it's over. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but there's a, like a whole bit in the beginning where like the, the whole bit in the middle where like it, he alludes to religion as well, doesn't he? It's like, you might think there's something else and I believe that you believe that, but right here, right now, it's over. And it's like, yeah. 
one, you didn't need that weird, like, kind of like being like, well, you believe in an afterlife. So, but, but like, you might believe in an afterlife, but that doesn't matter right now because right here, right now, you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And I was like taking it before that, where they've had uh, the fish, uh, Fishbowl's character tied up in this warehouse and they cut off, was it cut off a tattoo? Off his arm? Well, yeah, they yeah they cut off a big chunk of his arm, a big slab a of meat, don't they? Yeah, I thought that was like it was like really weird because then the next scene you sort of see him, he's round the sort of like the toilet that's in there, but he's had he's got gaffer tape like round his arms, both sides, and it's like they've cut off like shades of his skin, or like if it was a t- I don't know if it was a tattoo or not or something. I was just trying to like figure out what redeeming features were were there because I don't remember any point in the film whether it was that maybe he had the devil tattoo or something. But yeah, well, it's it's that thing as well that even if that were the case, like that they were getting rid of the tattoo, he's still got his teeth. Yeah, like you don't you don't see them like pull out his teeth. Like, they're they're gonna be able to identify the the charred remains, surely. Or, yeah, or. We've all, they've already established that they're kind of this global international organisation. You're going to have some like body disposal, even if it is in Colombia. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it was definitely a body double. As well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because judging by the previous scenes, especially with that cutscene we were talking about with the stop motion, stop motion, time lapse, sorry. And, and he wasn't getting naked in that with, uh, with the women that were in there. Uh, he was very much in his vest underwear and everything like that and still with his socks but in that scene they'd stripped him but they put a bag over his head so it was kind of like that was someone else's body <laughs> oh, I, he, <laughs> he, he was far more slender than yes. he appears in those earlier scenes yeah i'll give you that for sure um, that's what i love about like these sort of films because they're not like they're edited to a certain way and like the continuity errors you can pick up in it and stuff like i i, I picked up one weirdly I, I even noted it down like i think it was one of the sort of road stops that they had I think the two cops, to sort of take it back to that bit, where they shot them dead and they're lying on the side of the road, one of them is still breathing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You could, there's, there's so like, I kind of looked at the goofs on uh, IMDb and that's like the top one. Oh, is it? Like, well, yeah, yeah. You look at the kind of like the mistakes that like have cropped up in this film. It's like stuff like that. And then when we get to the, like, it, it basically fizzles out by the end, doesn't it? Because you kind of like, it's like they all got away with it. And yeah. it keep, mentioning Lord of the Rings again, it <laughs> keeps doing like a, a cut to black and you're like, I was like, right, yeah, that's it, so, we're done. And then like another scene is like, nope, here's another scene. It's ah, oh, here we go. So <laughs> we, we get like, we get, we get that moment of the, the mustachioed cop partner, yeah. like hit him and Cage pass each other in the airport and then, Cage makes it home to his wife, and then we get the ceremonious like taking off of the necklace to be like, "Oh, it, it, it's over. It's I'm, I'm home for a cup of tea." <laughs> yeah, it's like they went and back then, to shoot the end. You know, it's like yeah, they they all they, they all do feel like pickups, don't they? And then it's yeah. like again, you're like, "All right, this is a nice moment." Like he's back with his wife. Like his life can be over. That's it. Credits are going to roll. You're you're ready to kind of get up out of your cinema seat, and then it fades to black. And then the scene we get is basically Nicolas Cage in in the kitchen, uh, in his chef's outfit, um, and uh, Leslie Bibb coming in uh, to have a chat with him. And uh, she comes into his kitchen, uh, sparks up a cigarette, 
Uh, he asked, he asked her not to smoke, <laughs> but she continues. She don't care. Um, but then they start talking, um, and she kind of has that kind of realization that it's not gonna, you know, she's tried everything. She's like tried to make a difference, but she just, it doesn't seem to do anything. Um, and then she starts going through a bag and, and she takes out this gun and the cook asks, you know, um, what's that for in a laughing way? You know, and, and she goes, oh, uh, I can't remember exactly what she says, actually. Uh, but she just picks up and shoots him three times straight in the well, chest. Well, the, the way that the way that scene is played is kind of baffling. Yeah. In that in the, when she first comes in, there's like a familiarity between the two of them. Yeah. It's, like, it's they, like, oh, is she has she been in on it the whole time? Because she's kind of like laughing along with him and yeah. stuff like that. It's like, I didn't quite get it it was like and then she just goes into this speech like oh no, no matter what you do like you, you can never really change it i was like oh so like is she is she a part of the like cartel is she on the money and then like it very quickly like turns out that like it's supposed to be that they've never met before and her showing her badge is like like her her, her going this is who i am yeah. like you need to talk to me i was like I just didn't quite, and it, again, to, to to mention another film, the ending to this made me think of, like, The Departed, where it's like, do you know what I mean, where it's got that thing where, like, each little uh, strand of the narrative has to be wrapped up, and yes. it's like, oh, we're going to give you, like, this final, final moment twist of, like, the the famous moment spoiler for The Departed, where you get uh, <laughs> Mark Wahlberg going into the apartment and kind of, like, shooting matt damon's character and or yeah 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 Yeah, no it was it was very much it was like it it was that very abrupt ending because it kind of happened and you're like oh then it fades to black and then the credits come up and you're like oh and then obviously there's that (laughs) there's that additional scene at the end where you're kind of like yeah it's not going to stop but it was just it was it was like when they walked in it was like he gave her that kind of like knowing look like he knew who she was yeah and and but it then she had to reveal her 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 like badge to kind of like you know affirm who she was so they haven't <laughs> met before and you're right i thought it was going to be like you know they've known each other for years they've kind of been chasing each other she plays things by the book she doesn't have any kind of like you know any like evidence to take him in, but she's going to talk to him anyway, you know, like she did with Pepper. She knows he's in on it. She knows, he, but she can't do anything about it because no evidence or nothing that was stick. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was just going to be one of those kind of like conversations where it was going to come full circle. It was like, you're never going to stop this, but I'm going to try that kind of thing. And it's like, you know, giving it a bit more, like there could be more to this film or it could turn into something else. It could be, it could be a sequel. Not that there's going to be a sequel, <laughs> but it could be a sequel. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was just like one of those moments. And then like the abruptness of the sort of like gunshots, you're just like, oh. Yeah. I, I, I was hoping that she was going to like call him dad or something. Yeah. And then that to be like a kind of like, oh no. Like, like she has no idea that her dad's got this like kind of alter life or something like that. Yeah. And just to like, add like this weird spin to the end of the film, but it just, it just cut it dead. It just kind of like. So what, what do you think that this film's meaning is? Like, is it kind of like is it an anti-drugs film basically is it kind of like a oh drugs are bad kid um i don't know it didn't it didn't really showcase the sort of drugs are bad side of things for me um i've seen a lot worse like film wise um mm-hmm. 
like on the drug side of things. I think yeah. it was sort of, it was a weird, I don't know if it was trying to say anything apart from you can't stop, or this is what happened. You can't stop what's happening. There's no, yeah. there's no end to this. It's like, this is something that's going to happen. It's a story that will be told in many different ways. Like you say, breaking bad and Narcos and things <laughs> like that. Um, but it was like that version of it in a sort of like, slipshod way i suppose um, it's got it a was... massive whiff of like somebody who's like i'm really clever as well like the the the, the director and writers like kind of being like oh like i've seen all of i've seen all of these films it's like yeah so is, so is everybody else they're like they're not exactly like deep cut like i don't know like really obscure references it's like the things you're pulling on is like the shelf of like a 15 year old's like, do you know yeah. what I mean? like, I imagine if I was like 13, 14, that kind of like early teens and I had seen this, I would have probably fucking loved it. Yeah, no, it's definitely got, it definitely, ha- yeah, definitely for a sort of younger generation that don't have that kind of like experience in films and whatnot and TV shows that have, have, have shown this sort of passage before. But yeah, no, I'll go back to my sort of like Lord of the Rings thing. It was kind of like, it's got that to it because it's got this journey <laughs> going out through the whole thing. And like the ring was the, were these drugs <laughs> and, and it was getting it from one place to the other. And then it can go on for hours. And then you got all these like different cutscenes to wrap things up. Like in the last Lord of the Rings <laughs> film, you know, where it just didn't end. Um, but you know, it was just, it, just it had this like element of it wanted to be like a journey film it wanted to be sort of a thriller um it wanted to be so many things but i don't think the director knew exactly what they wanted yeah i I think they had had the ideas but there's always that problem that if you're trying to like put your fingers in too many pies you're not gonna you're not really gonna have that like one perfect pie base, especially yeah. when it comes to filmmaking. If you're trying to like draw in from all these, di- like spinning all these plates, eventually they're all going to fall as opposed to just one of them falling. And unfortunately that happens here, but moving on to kind of how I wrap these ones up is, yeah. Does Nick Cage have bad hair in this film? No, it's pretty boring. Mm-hmm. It's, it's his hair. <laughs> and, there are no yeah, wigs in this one. Yeah, whether it's good or bad, is, is a, is a, his actual hair is another discussion yes. entirely. Um, <laughs> does he do a crazy voice? Obviously, he's known to be going out there sometimes for some of the voices he does. Cameron Poe, uh, perfect example. Does he do anything yeah. like that in this? Not really. There are kind of, there are moments, like I said, where you kind of get that glint mm-hmm. of him maybe doing that. But even that speech at the end with the, like, you have gambled, you have lost. He just sounds a bit knackered, doesn't he? He, he does. It's kind <laughs> of like it's, it was almost going to go there. But he kind of, he just pulled it back because he didn't feel, he probably didn't feel that this was worth it. You know? <laughs> the, the, the paycheck weren't big enough. <laughs> exactly. There were too many stars in this film for him to get his, his full amount. So, um, but yeah, no, no, it, was, it wasn't, he didn't do any crazy voices, unfortunately. And for some people, the kind of what they go to in a Nicolas Cage, but what they go for a Nicolas, like what they want out of a Nicolas Cage film is, does he freak out in this? He doesn't. Uh, There there is a, there is a glint at moments when he realizes his friend has cut the crap into his pure uh, drug. Um, So so the the drugs are cut with uh, heroin and fentanyl and like, um i've had fentanyl not in a recreational way in a 
when I, I had an operation last year and it is mm. like, it's crazy. Like I, I had, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd been under, I'd kind of like afterwards. So like, have you, have you got any pain? And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I had surgery. I've I got pain. Yeah. And they, like I heard them say, like, uh, do you know what I mean? The nurses speaking to one another. Oh yeah, get me ten mil like fentanyl, and then like how like I don't know, addic- I can see why there is an epidemic of like fentanyl abuse in the states because within ten minutes they asked me like, mate, I, I'm not sure. Time's a bit hazy around like just just after coming out of our operation, but they yeah. said to me like quite soon after like are you still in pain and there was a part of my brain that went say yes because that stuff felt amazing yeah and it's like yeah. like the fact that like <laughs> so larry fishburne is cutting the the cocaine with not just heroin but fentanyl probably two yeah. of the the most addictive like substances yep in drugs yep. and leaving a body like a, a sea of bodies in his wake basically yes yeah, yeah so, he's a, quite I'm, a I'm, prolific killer <laughs> <laughs> amazing barnaby thanks for cool. coming on and chatting with me where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing whether it's the podcast uh djing or just kind of like bumming about on the internet yeah, I mean, I'm on all the socials um, at DJ Force X. That's F O R C E X. Um, I go by the name DJ Force Ten, but the X is there because the Roman numeral looks cooler than the number ten. <laughs> um, and it also works as a pun if you say it quick enough. Uh, <laughs> but you can find me at djforcex.com. That generally links to everything, or I've got a link tree, um, and it's linktree. Dot, uh, sorry, yeah, L I yeah, linktree.ee. DJ Force X. Um, and that's got <laughs> listing for all the sort of like outlets for the podcast and also my radio show, Crossing the Streams, which goes out on Total Rock um, every Sunday at six o'clock. And uh, that is a specialist show. Uh, it's kind of like a, a remixed rock show. Amazing. Um, so I kind of play, like I mix basically an hour of music in the club style. And, um, and it's mainly rock and metal and kind of like mixed in with electronic music. Perfect. So, so I'm yeah, that that's where to find me. Uh, I'm on, like I say, all the socials: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. There are pages and all that kind of stuff there, but it's all under the same name, thankfully. So. Perfect. Well, thank you so much to come. Uh, uh, thank you so much for coming and raging with Cage with me. <laughs> Absolutely no problem, man. It was an absolute pleasure. Love it. that is how we have seen in the new year with Nicolas Cage running with the devil will that be a sign of things to come will it be a lukewarm year with not much spice to give us or will it be an exciting one with the films that are slated for 2021 that Cage has got coming up I think it's going to be a bit of a bit of a spicy little chilli and we're nearly we're nearly hot on his heels we're nearly up to date with Cage on the Cage Sim podcast. Well, I am. Uh, 
only five episodes until that's it that's it i'm like i'm then waiting for stuff to be cinematically vod really however they are released after that it's it's we're we're completely up to date we've nearly fucking done it guys <laughs> um if you feel differently to myself and barnaby about running with the devil don't hesitate at all to get in touch on social media at caged in pod on facebook twitter and instagram or do drop me an email really take me to task really let's go let's go granular let's go nitty 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 gritty let's really get to it uh, caged in pod at gmail.com it would be lovely if you did all that podcast listener stuff like rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts, acast whatever podcast platform you're listening to right now and if they have a rate and review system even better leave a nice shiny five stars and a glowing review and yeah that that will make my year do you want to make my year in january just do that for me we can start on a high let's get more people listen to it it's it's fun and if you didn't hear on the christmas spectacular the cagemas special after i am up to date with the nicholas cage films i will then be branching out to look at the wider coppola family really get to know nicholas cage by the people he holds near and dear to him his his family expect chat about francis ford coppola roman coppola sophia jason and robert schwartzman talia shine the the whole host of them even people who were just married into the family at certain points for the times that they were married they will be featured on the podcast so you're gonna get 1995 to 2002 patricia arquette she's gonna be talked about on the podcast however i'm not gonna get too ahead of myself let's get on to what is on next week's episode and i've got another fantastic guest in devon taylor from the bloody blunts cinema club podcast and he came and chatted to me about another kind of post tarantino neo-noir film kill chain it's a little bit different to this one uh you can head on over to letterboxd as well where i've i've, I've left a li- i leave little reviews the moment i watch these films so you can kind of you can get a taste of what you're in for in the episodes whether they're going to be a, a real panning or they're going to be like kind of loving on a film so yeah head on over there to check out that one and definitely come back next week to check out my chat with devon taylor as always guys i've been petrus patzlers I've been caged in. You've been amazing. I'm Nicholas Cage. Have a great fucking night. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.